Hello, and welcome to Bricks and Banner, the show with real talk from the custom LEGO community. I'm your host, as always, Billy, and today's guest is a special one. He is a longtime community member and just recently started his own company, making killer resin prints in his spare time. It is none other than Valorbricks. So with no further ado, here's my episode with Brandon from Valorbricks. And we're here with Brandon, a.k.a. the owner of Valorbricks. How are you doing, man? I'm doing good. How are you doing? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. I'm happy to have you on. Um, our good buddy Charles has been just pestering me every single week every poll i put up for questions just when will brandon be on he better be on before the 10th episode airs you better better be this <laughs> that's why he is one of my best friends Fine, right <laughs> so we finally made it happen um the best part is he saw like the announcement post you know like oh send questions for valor bricks but this is only going to air maybe like three weeks after recording because i have a huge backlog now that yeah. i've been working towards so he's probably going to pester me within the next two weeks to be like so when's that airing like where is it though? Where is it though? <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to tell him it's recorded so he leaves you alone. <laughs> it's gonna be weird to not be, you know, just barotted with <laughs> when will Brandon be on every single week, but it'll be a good change. I could finally go back to normal conversations with him. So <laughs> That's good. <laughs> but yeah, it's a pleasure to have you on. I yeah, you're definitely the first like company or brand to be on, but you're also just a member of the community in general. So, I mean, we could just start there and how you got started and kind of discovered like the military and third party world. Oh, yeah. I mean, I've like I said, I've kind of been into Lego my entire life. I mean, especially military. I always thought it was really cool. And um, I mean, I collect military on the side, so it's always kind of been my thing. Oh, like uh, models and stuff? Model kits? Oh, no. I collect like uh, military. Oh, right. Military. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, Collectibles and that kind of stuff. Right. So I've always kind of been into like the real deal kind of stuff. And I've always liked Brick Arms, too. I remember, like, when I went to Brick Fair one year, I think it was GI Brick. It was so long ago. I don't yeah. even remember who it was. But I remember getting, like, a few Brick Arms. I think I got, um, like, a couple of helmets, a couple of guns. And they were, like, the coveted items in my LEGO collection. Because, you know, I mean, a lot of LEGO builders, they kind of start off with, like, off-brand stuff. And mm-hmm. when the Brick Arms first came out, it was, it was a big deal because there wasn't really military stuff. So I always thought they were really cool. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, he's still leading the charge as one of the best brands for it. So. Oh, yeah. Hands down. I will always have respect for Will and Brick Arms. He's a super nice guy and he runs an amazing company. Right on. So you started up uh, an account, BrickDude112, as you could have been known by, um, building some minifigs. How did that start? How did you get involved on Flickr and stuff like that? Um, I actually first started off on the Brick Arms forum, I think, and I don't think I was Brick Dude One One Two, but that's where I like originally started posting stuff here and there. And I remember at Brick Fair one day, one year, my friend uh, James, he was like, "Dude, you gotta hop on Flickr, man. You gotta check it out." And I was like, "All right." So I made myself a Flickr account, and that was kind of towards um, that was back when Flickr was still pretty popular. That was a few years back. Mm. And I would definitely say my building got so much better because Flickr, it's like, it's more people kind of collaborating and talking about stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Um, like Instagram, it's a lot of people kind of, you know, oh, tank looks super good. Flickr, it was more like, I think this looks amazing, but you could do this and this. So I definitely say my building got like really good over time. Yeah, Fl- Flickr was much better for that. I mean, yeah. it was a much more diehard community, I feel like, at that point, just oh, yeah. being so niche that people and with Flickr kind of being more message boardy than mm-hmm. Instagram is I think it kind of just fostered people to be more critical but 
oh, it yeah. gave space for that, and it was good. And Flickr had the groups, too, which was really nice. I remember there were, like, right. specific groups for, like, World War II and custom minifigures. So there was definitely, like, a bigger sense of community there. True, yeah. I mean, now it's the hashtags, which kind of result in the same thing to discover people. But Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah the, being called a group, I kind of it kind of did bring a certain air to it. Definitely. So you were mentioning just a bit before we started recording, and I was like, hold on, we got to get it on air. <laughs> yeah. But um, meeting Will, you mentioned at Brick Fair Virginia, you he was always you know sharing like his process oh. and stuff like that, and that kind of inspired you into what you're doing now. Is that right? Yeah, I actually met him. The first time I met him was at World War Brick in oh, okay. uh, Hartford a few years back. Awesome. Back when, they were, awesome. back when they were actually doing that. Yeah. And uh, I remember I hung out with him for a while, talked about stuff, and it was kind of cool to hear the process of it. I didn't really know about, like, injection molding and stuff, so it was kind of neat to, like, hear about the process and all that kind of crap. Sure. And then, so you have a e- uh, background in engineering, you said? Yeah, I'm, um, I'm actually going to college next year, but... Um, I've done a lot with CAD work, and um, my school has, uh, what is it called? It's like a career and technology center. Mm-hmm. So I did engineering through there. I got an um, Autodesk user certification and whatnot. Oh, so, awesome. Yeah, a lot with uh, technical drafting and stuff. So <laughs> I'm a little, a little bit experienced in it. Right. I mean, it shows certainly in the products and just being able to 3D model it all. Um, back in the day, like, as I was getting into the community and trying to do something, like I tried to go the three modeling route and I just, I couldn't grasp it. I just had to do it with my hands. Like it wasn't working for me, but oh, yeah. I, I was... really appreciate people who can. It's, it's a totally a skill. Like, Oh yeah. It's, it's not as bad as people think it is, but I was the same way back when I first started. It was, um, I think the first time I used Inventor was on my school's robotics team, and I was like, dude, I don't understand this at all. <laughs> right. It's, it definitely took me a bit to actually, like, kind of understand what was going on and how to, like, make my own stuff. Mm. But once you understand it, I mean, it's pretty straightforward, and it's pretty easy to make your own stuff from what I've found. Nice. And, and the our... part... Oh, go, go ahead. ahead. Nope. Nope. Oh. All you. <laughs> I was going to say, um, a lot of the computer-aided design programs it's like coding languages i mean they transfer over to each other pretty easily Mm. like if you use solidworks it's pretty transferable to inventor and vice versa right yeah that makes sense i've kind of noticed that um to a lesser extent just between like audio and video editing stuff now that i've tried to do youtube in this podcast like just trying to learn some of the key binds a lot of them kind of transfer over between the two which is very convenient um so yeah yeah, and that's definitely nice. It makes it a lot easier when you switch from one thing to another. <laughs> For sure, yeah. So I remember back, I think it started on Flickr that you would post some of your models on BrickDude112. Mm-hmm. Um, but I kept seeing those, and I was like, oh, shoot, he's going to make something? Like, that'd be sweet. And, I mean, looking back, it was a long time coming because those yeah, that those was kind like of models, yeah. <laughs> those models were like two or three years at least before you ever started yeah. to do ValorBrick, so... Yeah, I used to mess around, and uh, I never actually published any of it or shared it, but I would always, to try to test myself, I would try to, like, copy other people's stuff. Mm. Like, I remember I tried to copy Citizen Brick's lighter. I think I tried to copy the Brick Arms Panzer Shrek. <laughs> and not to, like, produce it, but just to see if I actually had the skill to kind of make this kind of stuff. Yeah, no, that's what makes sense. I mean, when you're learning, like, art and stuff, they say, you know, you go through all the styles and learn all that, and then you can kind of throw that all away and make your own stuff and oh, yeah, based definitely. with everything else. So that's a great way, a great approach, I think. 
Yeah, I kind of went down the same path. I mean, when I design stuff, I don't look at anything else. I just look at real-life reference pictures. Right, right. Um, I know a lot of, like, military model building these days is kind of seeing what other people do. But I try to make stuff as original and authentic as I can. Yeah, that's the best. I remember some of the stuff, though, I'd we'd gone back and forth just uh, aesthetically. I think it was the crotch, pal- uh, crotch plate. Oh, I was yeah, like, it looks so guard, skinny yeah. <laughs> and just like kind of odd. Um, and you were just informed me like how much it is to like spec and realistic in terms say, of the in dimensions. Life, it's not that big. Yeah. Which I appreciate. I appreciate that you'll stick to that. Oh, but yeah. it, it does bring in a question <laughs> with like the Lego form about where will you kind of bend the rules for like aesthetic purposes to mesh with a Lego style as opposed to strictly being you know, 100% to accuracy. Oh, yeah. I've bent the rules plenty of times before. I mean, the laser pistol is a great example of that. I mean, detail-wise, it's almost spot on, I'd say. But um, right. as far as scale, it's ginormous on a minifigure. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, I'm not really... I try to make stuff as realistic. And, I mean, part of it is because I want to make something that I am proud of putting on a minifigure. Um, if I think something looks awkward, I'm like, yeah, I'm not so sure if I should make that or make it to sell. Because I always, whenever I print something out, I always paint it up, see how it looks on a minifigure, see if it's something I would use. And then I kind of just go from there as far as adjusting the scale. Right on. Yeah, that makes sense. So we post on Instagram to get some listeners to send in questions, and there was a lot going into your design process. Um, I don't want to kind of just harp on that specifically but is there anything that going into 3d modeling uh you could say for beginners my biggest thing that i would recommend is focusing on function of functionality and scale at the same time i see a lot of people that focus on functionality and scale individually and it just doesn't really turn out that great Hmm. i would definitely like recommend trying to mesh the two to make stuff functional and scale accurate at the same time. Right, yeah. Those are both the factors that really are what goes into making, say, brick arms quality or oh, yeah, system definitely. brick quality is just the yeah. blending of those two. Yeah, I agree. The other, the other thing I definitely recommend is just trying to make anything. I mean, I, would, I definitely wouldn't like limit yourself to military stuff. And I mean, it's the same way with military models too, like... Um, building Lego stuff. I mean, I try to build Star Wars stuff occasionally just to try to get the creative juices flowing, if that makes sense. Yeah, sure. Yeah, just to keep switching it up. Yeah. Always try to make stuff new. It's always the best way to keep your skills at hand. Yeah, I agree. Another question just kind of in this vein was what was one of the biggest challenges in turning real objects into the Lego form? I think the biggest challenge is definitely the minifigure. Um, As I mentioned, you know, getting the scale is important. Right. The minifigure is a really awkward little guy. They're really unique and they're really great for what they are. But as far as making stuff that fits with the minifigure, it can be really difficult. And Mm -hmm. I've definitely had that problem in the past where I'm like, oh, wow, that looks really weird (laughs) on a minifigure. Yeah. (laughs) I remember I tried to make the... um, I think it was the the nuke launcher thing from uh, Starship Troopers. Okay, sure. And I ended up printing that out, and I was like, oh, wow, this looks really weird on a minifigure. <laughs> this looks way too big and awkward. Yep. But. Is there any um, projects like that that you kind of never made it past 
the prototyping phase that you kind of want to revisit in the future? Oh, yeah, definitely. There's a couple that I really kind of got to sit down and just kind of revamp them a little bit. And I have stuff that I probably still need to print at this point as far as prototyping. Mm. I remember a few years ago I made the uh, the Rainbow Six Siege drone. Oh, I yeah, think, okay. Yeah, I think that was actually, like, one of my first kind of, like, things that I kind of did on my own. And I never ended up printing that out. That was back before I even had a resin printer, so <laughs> I couldn't Where, exactly prototype. Yeah, it makes sense. Where did you get um get it printed? Did you use, like, online Shapeways or something? Oh, no, I didn't even get it printed. I, um... It was too. It was pretty expensive, actually. If you try to get your stuff printed individually, it can cost like five, ten dollars a piece, even for something small like that. Mm. So I was kind of like, I'll just wait till I get a printer, try it out. Then. Right. So then, by prototyping, it was just in CAD, kind of working with it. You mean? Yeah, pretty much. And I, uh, I downloaded a minifigure too, so I could like put it in. Oh. Yeah. Check how it looked that way. Gotcha. Yeah, that makes sense being able to compare the scales digitally instead of having to print it yeah. out, play with it, see what's happening, yeah. And if you have a good minifigure model, that works. The biggest thing is kind of checking if to make sure it actually fits with the minifigure in real life. Mm -hmm. So you're 3D modeling for a while. What made you decide to start like a business behind it and actually start producing your stuff with a resin printer? You know, honestly, the biggest reason was um, last summer it was the coronavirus pandemic. Mm -hmm. And um, I wasn't able to work during the summer, so I was like, I kind of need to start working a little bit and doing something, especially during the summer when I was kind of just sitting around not working. So I was like, you know what, I'm going to use the little money I have left and I'm just going to get a resin printer and see how this goes. <laughs> nice. <laughs> and part of it, too, is I um I had always kind of wanted to make a business out of it just because I really love it. Yep. I had wanted to like kind of make my own parts and sell them and that kind of stuff. More because I think it's fun than I want to make money. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just a side thing and see how far you could take it, you know? Yeah, pretty much. Well, sounds like one of the best things to kind of come out of the pandemic for the community. I had, I never, I, I don't know, I kind of just think that you've been around doing it for a lot longer than the year. Like, it really does seem like a lot longer than that. Oh, yeah, it hasn't um, even been a year at this point. <laughs> that's crazy. That really is, like... Thinking back to it, it doesn't seem like those dates coincide. I thought you had been doing it previously, but... Yeah, it's it's crazy to think about that, honestly. So, yeah, you've really made a lot of progress in under a year. Thank you. <laughs> um, where are you feeling on where you want to take it into the future? Honestly, that's not really something I've thought about yet. I'm, uh, really? I'm going off to college next summer. Now, the thing is, I'm not going to be super... The college I'm going to actually isn't going to be super far away from home so mm -hmm. i'll probably still try to print stuff and design stuff and whatnot especially during like the summer and winter break for sure i definitely don't plan on like pulling the plug anytime soon well that's good that's good so do you kind of intend to kind of just keep it more of as a side hobby thing yeah i'd definitely say so gotcha um i mean after college i mean if you look at a lot of companies these days they kind of do it like full time mm-hmm and after college, I definitely want to get a, an engineering job, so it'll probably be part-time for the most part. Right. If I continue it after college. Yeah, even if, yeah. I was going to ask if you had any plans, like if you were like trying to big brain this and turn it into something, like if you had uh, thoughts about getting stuff injection molded as opposed to being just resin printed, or how, what are your feelings on that? You know, honestly, if I had the money, I probably would. 
Hmm. And if I had the space to, honestly, um, I actually have my whole setup on what is supposed to be my school desk. So, <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. My entire school desk is like resin printed parts and resin printer and my washing cure <laughs> machine. And yeah, it's, it's a fun setup. But if I had the space in the future, like a garage, I would definitely consider getting like injection molding stuff. Because yeah, I think a lot of the stuff would look better injection molded. Sure. Yeah. I'm, I was surprised with how good the resin quality was. Um, yeah, me too, honestly. I don't know. I feel like okay. a lot of people are resistant to the change of being stuff kind of being like 3D printed. And it kind of got a bad rap as like the stuff off Shapeways and stuff could be really rough, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but the resin printer really does provide a much better quality for even at like the entry level as opposed to when you're 3D printing. You got to get like a high, high end one to match the quality of and smoothness. Yeah, I was pretty surprised, too. I started printing some stuff, and I was like, wow, the quality on this is crazy, because I'm used to the uh, the filament printers with the plastic. Mm-hmm. So when I started printing out some of the stuff, I was like, wow, this looks pretty good painted up. I mean, it's not that bad. Yeah, it's really not. And I bet, I don't even think I did it for um, the vest you'd sent me out, but just to sand it down briefly would probably do a lot for that as well. Yeah, I haven't even sanded it down. I've just painted it up and... Actually, it turns out it turns out pretty smooth. Yeah, th- I'm thinking back to this now, and <laughs> um, our buddy Sean, who's also gotten into resin printing a bit. Oh yeah, yeah. He was mentioning to me that he had to sand something down, and he's like, "Yeah, this is a terrible idea. Like something with the resin and all is just like cancerous. So not yeah. advisable. Actually, don't try and sand the valor bricks down. <laughs> um, I'm gonna try that next time and see if I end up dying or something. But um. I'll, yeah, I'll get back to you. In the meantime, I'm not advising people to actually sand 3D resin printed stuff. Yeah, I wouldn't advise sanding it down because <laughs> what happens is you uh, you expose that part that hasn't been hardened. Mm. I think when you harden the resin, it only hardens the outside. The outside? Okay, that yeah, makes sense. Yeah, so if you snap a part in half, you will see that the inside is like kind of a little clear. And that's the way with anything that's resin printed. Hmm. I think most of it, if it's thin enough, I think it hardens for the most part. Well, now I gotta go snap your pieces open. (laughs) Yeah, I I mean, I gotta find the gooey center to these (laughs) pouches. Yeah, I maybe wouldn't include that part. (laughs) 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 No, um, for the most part, I think resin printed is printing is safe. I've done a lot of research. I make sure I cure the stuff properly and wash it and whatnot, just to make sure it's all good to go. Absolutely, yeah. I only I found out recently that there's like a whole curing pro. Like I didn't know how yeah how it works. It. <laughs> yeah, how what is that? What go what is going on during the curing process? So the curing process exposes it to UV light, which hardens it. I'm pretty sure. Actually, mm-hmm. I haven't done a whole lot of research on that part. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm pretty sure it just hardens it. Gotcha. And I think when you sand it, what you're creating is um. Like what is that? Uh, it's asbestos dust, kind of. You know, you don't. Oh, wanna... awesome. That's not what I mean, but <laughs> it's uh you don't want to breathe in the dust, yeah it's like the know? just yeah. resin particulate you don't want to be sucking that yeah in. and that's yeah and that's the way it is with anything that's resin printed you got to be kind of careful with it mm. not to like dog on resin printing or anything. yeah no because I mean <laughs> you, it's I not really it's intended <laughs> yeah it's not intended yeah. to be sanded so it's yeah I I wouldn't be selling it if it wasn't safe of course of course. I, uh, I try to keep the safety of everybody. Valor Bricks does not endorse the sniffing and inge- <laughs> ingest- <laughs> I mean, ingesting if parts. 
if you sand off the small little nubs, I mean, you should be fine. I just wouldn't recommend totally sanding a whole part of it. Yeah, like people are doing the brick arms plate carrier, and you just literally have to sit there and file the <laughs> yeah. whole side of the vest until it's flat. And even if you wanted to do that, I think as long as you did it outside, I'm like, I'm not like definitively giving any suggestions here. I'm just kind of thinking through my own thought process yeah. but if you did it outside i'm sure with ventilation and everything that'd be fine yeah that's kind of the way it is we're right also there. for the most part in our coom caves just yeah kinda, <laughs> 2 a.m I mean, even abs plastic dust you don't want to breathe that stuff in it's exactly good for you exactly <laughs> i mean like, dust with anything that's um like plastic or resin you don't really want to breathe that in right just don't tell alex that love sniffing <laughs> that abs Yikes. No comment. <laughs> okay. So, recently, you hosted on your story a little fan community bracket to uh, have people vote on what your next product would be. Um, first off, how did you think the reception of that was? Were you surprised with the result? I was surprised. I was surprised with how many people actually kind of voted on it. There was definitely oh. a good... Yeah, there was definitely a lot of feedback that I kind of liked on that. That's great. Um, I was definitely a little surprised with the results. I definitely thought that uh, the Ranger helmet from Fallout New Vegas was going to win. Yeah. I think a lot of people in the community thought it was going to win, too. <laughs> it had a couple people just a little in their feelings in the DMs, yeah. just like, damn. Yeah. I want the Ranger <laughs> I helmet, I definitely though. had a couple of people that were like, dang, the IMTV really won. <laughs> <laughs> well, I actually had someone message me. He said, I think he said he really wanted the IMTV, so he got some of his family members to vote on it, too. Bro. <laughs> I don't think I don't think that's what shit caused it to go over though. I mean right. honestly like a lot of people these days there's so many companies that aren't really making a whole lot of military stuff that's new. Mm -hmm. I think that people kind of want new stuff. I Absolutely. Mean, I'm one of them. Like <laughs> Yeah. I love Brick Arms, but they've been making a lot of Star Wars stuff these days. Mhm. Mm and I yeah. think people kind of want some more modern military stuff to mess with. Yeah, I totally agree. There's definitely a bit of a hole in the market. People are thirsty yeah. for some more new stuff. So definitely, it, it'll definitely be a great piece when it comes out. But I also have a soft spot for uh, <laughs> for some APOC. So I'd love oh, to yeah. see the Ranger helmet in the future. Do you think that any of the... It's hard to say, call, even call them like losers from the bracket, but pieces <laughs> that didn't make it all the way to the end, are you going to revisit those in the future? Do they still oh, have a yeah. shot? Definitely. I'm not really going to throw anything out the window, especially, um, I think it was the life buoy flamethrower. I had actually wanted to do that for a while, so that'll probably be popping up somewhere in the future. Awesome. Yeah, that's a pretty unique one. Yeah, and I think there's not a lot of, like, World War One flamethrowers out there. I think Brick Warriors might make one that's pretty good. It might be the only one that Yeah, one those, Brick actually. Warriors has some surprising stuff. Yes, yeah, so I remember, um, they actually make a Desert Eagle that's pretty good, too. They do. I don't know if they've ever had it well, in stock in the last few years, but... <laughs> I almost can't even say that because I was roasting um, Sam, Uncle Sammy Poo, about uh, <laughs> his love for the Deagle model. But um, it is, it's, I mean, it's just about the best that there is. Like, <laughs> Actually, funny story. I, that was actually one of the first like custom guns that I got was the Brick Warriors Desert Eagle. <laughs> and this was like back when I didn't know anything about military stuff, so mm -hmm. I uh, like gave it to my like World War II guy. My oh. World War II American is like a, a Colt nineteen eleven <laughs> handgun. Yeah, I didn't know the difference. So I was like, I feel oh, that like though. A, yeah, this looks like a World War II gun. That'll do just fine. You know, <laughs> I still hardly know what I would put on a historical figure. Like I totally <laughs> just don't. 
don't even bother with that stuff. Die hard about the historical stuff. Even I'm not that bad. (laughs) No, that's the whole reason I never got into it. It was just like, oh, so you're telling me like to get into this community, I have to like get a three year college degree on what (laughs) wars and what battles, and then if I don't do something to the T, I'm just gonna get roasted for it. Yeah, okay, I'll pass. (laughs) It's not that bad, I wouldn't say. No, in 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 practice, it's it's not that bad, but. I think it was also a bit worse when I'd gotten into things, so. Yeah, a few years ago, it was definitely, people were pretty diehard with their history we the stuff. Height. Yeah. Even now, especially with, like, the World War II stuff, people are pretty pretty up in arms about trying to keep it as accurate as possible. Right. You briefly mentioned that um, that flamethrower, that World War One buoy. Oh, yeah. Um, There's another question in, uh, do you have plans to do any other World War One products in the future? Probably a couple. Um, I remember, I remember for a while there was a really big phase of World War One stuff when Battlefield One came yep. out, and I yep. think Brick Arms did just about every World War One gun in existence, <laughs> <laughs> which was awesome because like there were all these World War One guns suddenly that you could use for stuff. Mm-hmm. But um, I like the uh, the trench mason stuff that came out at the time oh, too. Yeah, that was awesome. Those are I great. Loved that piece. But, um, yeah, there's, I mean, I think I should probably do, like, some lobster armor, maybe. maybe oh, a yeah. Flamethrower. There's definitely some, like, wacky weapons that nobody has ever done before. Yeah, there really is. Is that lobster armor? Do you, you remember a full plastic jacket? Is that the thing he had created? I think so. He made, like, a really interesting mod. a while ago. Yeah, it was pretty good, actually. Yeah, it was surprising. Like, it was just, like, just, where, what did you use to make this, even? Like, it came out just pretty much on par. Yeah, people are pretty creative with stuff these days. Absolutely. I'm not like that. I don't do much modding. <laughs> <laughs> I think I had maybe like one or two mods that were pretty good. Like I remember I made a a G43 mod a while ago with a scope that turned out halfway decent. Mm. And then I had this phase where I used to always like, I loved like to paint the guns with the, uh, just to make them more accurate. Yeah, sure. But <laughs> I, I've never really been crazy into modding. Which is funny because I make products that are specifically designed for modders. For the modders, right? <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> Here I'm saying I don't mod much. And... You know, yeah. speaking of that, with your products like the vest being catered to people who are going to kind of do it themselves, mm-hmm. you know, they you got to glue it, you got to assemble it, like a, similar to like tiny tactical stuff where mm-hmm. it's kind of relying on the user to assemble it all. And a bit unlike brick arm stuff, which comes, right. you know, ready to go. Ready to go, yeah. Um, from my understanding, the the modcom items were kind of discontinued and never really fully produced because of that. There was also, like, quality issues, but it's like, how do I sell something that is going to need, you know, modding and refining right. to people? So how do you feel like your... Po- not pos- necessarily positioning in the market. That's like such a like yeah. professional term, but like, how do you feel um, it is marketing an item like that, that isn't just ready to sell? Like there's work that has to go into it once the customer receives it. It's definitely a niche community and it's definitely a niche group of people that are interested in it. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, it gives you so much more openness with what you can do. You right. Know? I mean, if you buy a pack that's, you know, comes pre-assembled, there's only a very limited amount of stuff you can do unless you modify it and destroy it, you know? Yeah. But especially with the stuff I make, I mean, I kind of make it to where you can kind of do whatever you want with it. 
And I even specifically try to include extra pouches so you have more to mess with later on. Mm. I remember, oh, who was it that was talking about? Um, he was like, uh, who was it you were interviewing a few months ago? He um, was talking about... Um, it was Danny. Yeah, probably. Danny. Yeah. He, uh, he talked about how um, there were like all these extra pouches and he wasn't quite sure where to put the stuff. I was like, oh, no, you see, I include them specifically so you have extra stuff to mess with. Mm. And I've seen a lot of people kind of do that where they might throw an extra pouch on another fig and that kind of stuff. And I think it just definitely gives a sense of, like, openness as far as what you can do with it. Yeah, I agree. I definitely like the uh, giving extra pouches approach. It's kind of like yeah. Lego when you could buy in a set right, and they exactly. throw those extra pieces in just so in case you lose it. Like, yeah. Yeah. You get extra parts and you're like, oh, this is awesome. I have extras, you know? Yeah, yeah. And that's kind of the same philosophy I kind of have. Yeah, I think that's a great model. Just kind of that little extra for people to be like, oh, yeah. but I got a little little freebie, a little extra. That's great. And I'm definitely starting to, like, kind of switch away from the pack idea just so that people can get exactly what they want for their stuff. Mm. It's uh, I'm kind of still kind of testing the waters. With oh, yeah, I actually noticed that. Interested in. I noticed that um, once you kind of reposition this products on your page and stuff that yeah there was I, no uh, packs. yeah i kind of archived a bunch of stuff i streamlined it i made a um a specific highlight for like people that had kind of used the stuff in the past and whatnot just to make it more straightforward and yeah whatnot yeah i think um allowing people to specifically buy which pouches they want um it, it's probably for the best but i like the pouch approach uh, the pack approach to begin yeah. with it was something new something to experiment with see how people responded and yeah definitely one of the other questions here as we kind of just dive in was has any company approached you for commission work under your valor bricks i actually haven't had anybody not that i can remember i've had a couple of people kind of just pop out of the blue and be like hey can you make this for me <laughs> but um I haven't had any companies approach me. I have had a couple of people ask me to print out prototypes. Um, I've done some work for uh, Milson Bricks. They oh, had a right. couple of prototype vests they wanted printed out. And, I'm um, excited to see what he starts doing. Oh, yeah. He's, been he's got a some lot cool stuff, of ideas. So, yeah, I'm excited to see what he has in store. And um, I printed some prototypes for, oh, I always blank on names, who made the uh, the Vietnam era flag yeah, jacket. Yeah, uh, Fallout Bricks and yeah. Sean. Yeah, I helped them uh, print out their stuff. Mm -hmm. And I have some other stuff for another company I'm currently actually doing, but I can't talk about that. Of course, on the DL, on the DL. I've been sworn to secrecy. But <laughs> I'll probably post something about that when all that stuff gets released, if that's okay with who I'm printing it for. Awesome. Yeah, that, I'm excited to see that, hopefully. It's some cool stuff. I'm just going to say that. it's. Uh, I'll definitely be interested to see if they actually make it. I will say it is from a big company. Oh. Yeah. Very that's nice. all I'm going to say. <laughs> that's awesome. So, hey, I mean, I guess that's the question right there. You have been getting some companies to yeah, show interest in your work. Stuff. Yeah, and I usually I usually don't charge for that kind of stuff. Mm. Just because, you know. It's for the culture. Yeah, I mean, I'm more here to have fun with it and help other people out and whatnot, so. That's great. But, yeah, the stuff uh, Justin's doing with the Milsim bricks Mm -hmm. I'm very curious to see how those uh to get those vests in hand with yeah, the cummerbands. Cool. Yeah. How were they when you printed them out? They were pretty good. They were pretty solid. They were definitely like nice and thick. 
Mm. The cover bands were like a little awkward. I think he said he was gonna work on like correcting that. Yeah, a bit. yeah, yeah, yeah. He did say just that to because me. I mean, unfortunately, it's it's a reality that's hard to accept. It's like impossible to do a cover band on minifigures. Yeah, with the form, it's just yeah. He did it really good though. It fit like perfectly on the torso. Oh, <laughs> it was just well, that's sweet. With the arms, yeah, right. And like, especially like, it's it's hard to do a cover band. Unfortunately. You've come up with some pretty good solutions with like the uh, the band aids and the ETA yeah, and stuff. Yeah, now my favorite one to use is the um, just like Lego cloth. And funny enough, I was uh talking with Justin because he was do he posted his um, Shadow Company figure, which uh -huh. he used um on the knee pads. He used just Lego cloth for, huh, which was from the Indiana Jones uh, top of the car. I can't remember. Oh, oh, it was from the that, uh, yeah. Shanghai Chase or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Where he has the fabric top on the car. That's like the only dark tan fabric I could find. And I found it in one of my bins. And I was like, oh, I could totally cut that up. So I've been using that for like months now oh, to geez. get my cummerbands and other stuff like that. I even used it for um, like knee pads like he had as well. And then I was in a group chat with him and he posted that he used that for it. I was like, oh, shit. Other people are doing that too. That's great. Yeah, that's smart. It's yeah. always interesting to see how people kind of like adapt with kind of stuff and just try out different stuff. Absolutely. Like I said, I don't really mod much, so it's definitely interesting to see all the creativity people have in that sphere. Yeah. You're just a, a connoisseur of it all. You get to just see it all from the sidelines and Yeah, pretty much. I mean, like I said, I uh I always test stuff out, but the farthest I usually go with that is gluing stuff to the vest and painting it up. So mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even really know if I'd consider it modding, but Hey, I'd consider the painting modding, so. Yeah, it's true. That's true. Your paint jobs are coming out clean and not looking like doo-doo, <laughs> so that's a step. I Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I use the uh, the Citadel paints. Mm. I had, I've been investing in those over the years. Nice. Every once in a while, just pick one up at the local comic book shop. Yep, yep. Do you uh, water them down while you're, before you use them? Then the paint's down a bit? I actually don't. I Ooh, just you use should. Them. Yeah, it's probably smart. I kind of just use them straight from the thing. <laughs> <laughs> Or the they, they have, those those paints are actually really nice. They have a little tip at the top that if you get wet with the paint and use that, so you don't have to like direct, directly dip yep. your brush into the thing. Yeah, yeah. The Citadels are really good. I've enjoyed um, once I finally switched over to those, but definitely got to thin it down. But that's like kind of the beauty in it is that mm -hmm. the pigment holds even though it gets thinned down quite a bit. Yeah. So if you had just like a cheap acrylic, you're gonna thin it down and you're gonna have to put like a shitload of coats to get that same kind of opacity of it and just be like a strong color Interesting. but with the citadels you could thin it down quite a bit and you're still kind of holding your color there but definitely much better than down if you get it nice smooth even coat yeah and they're not really that expensive either from what i found i mean if you buy a lot of them they're obviously expensive yeah once you be like i need every single one it's like okay well <laughs> yeah like, I remember when I first got them, I think I got, like, a gray, I got, like, a black, I got a brown, you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it starts for like four. Yeah, for, like, four or five, it's only, like, 15, 20 bucks, which really isn't too bad. Yeah, they're typically, like, I think it's, like, 350 a pot. Yeah. I buy mine online, but it, even again, like, I didn't, I don't have an expansive collection of them at this point. I got in a, I got a starter set of it for Christmas, which oh, was awesome, because nice. I was, like, about to make the plunge into it and then just kind of being like procrastinating lazy like oh i don't need it i'll just keep using my other paints and that was honestly one of the best like christmas gifts i've ever gotten was just That's because good. it's exactly like what i wanted and was going to use but beyond that i've only bought maybe like and that that came with i don't know 
10 to 15 paints maybe yeah their starter packs are usually they're really good value and i mean i didn't buy another paint of theirs until maybe like six months ago Uh, like a different color besides what i had in that set so that's pretty cool yeah but now i'm trying to branch out into the different paint brands as well that are like kind of top tier more expensive not just the uh you know jabobo ones you could find at walmart <laughs> yeah i hear a lot of people use of using the uh the apple barrel apple ones. barrel yeah that's yeah the, that's it that's the infamous one there was one that was black that i my friend james had at brick fair and it had like a really nice like matte black to it i was never able hmm. to find the one again but it turned out like as far was as it, paints i was pretty surprised. was it like the apple barrel um bottle size or was it small yeah it was the apple barrel one and i was like oh, oh. That's, that's not too bad the one Apple Barrel paint I bought specifically, like I never used the Apple Barrel brand. I used like a comparable one, but I specifically went out and bought um, the Apple Barrel like light flesh looking color. Actually, I think it was um, Charles who, I don't, I don't know if you discovered the color, but he was the one who turned me on to it. He he had it one brick fair and I was like, oh shit, really? Like, that's a good color. I got to yeah, use Charles that. Charles does a lot with painting too. <laughs> yeah, he had done something with... Um, he like sculpted the sleeves or something and then actually painted the light flesh on the arms. And I was like, Oh, that's actually that's not a bad cool. match. Yeah. He makes some crazy figures for real. Yeah. The Ronin was really good that he made. Yeah. Oh yeah. And you uh, custom printed the vest for that, didn't you? Oh yeah. I helped him out with that. I that guess was... that was like the only custom commission I've done. That was a great, was... great project. That was good experience too. Honestly, it was good to kind of like, that was kind of when I was just starting to mess around with the modable stuff. Mm-hmm. And I, uh, Kind of printed some stuff and just saw how it looked and whatnot. Yeah, I totally forgot about that until now. That was a that was a really neat project you guys whipped up. Yeah, together. it was it was neat. Th- that was definitely like kind of the first time I had messed around with like modables type stuff. Mm. And I think I even printed out like an extra backpack and a uh, what's it called a pouch single or a, a mag shingle for the uh, the vest just to see how it looked. Do you think you'd ever release the the Ronin items? Nah, probably not. That was kind of a one-off thing. <laughs> gotcha. I mean... I'm looking at it now. I saw the pistol pouches in the front, which was nice. Yeah, that was the uh, the mag shingle that mm-hmm. I did. And that was that was interesting. That turned out pretty good. Yeah, those do look but good. That's a very specific item, so... There's, like, basically just two types of questions. It's either design process or fallout. Like, that was, yeah. like... <laughs> <laughs> I know there's a lot of people that are like, dude, you gotta keep making fallout. You gotta keep making fallout. I'm like... I know. I just gotta get working on it. <laughs> I want Fallout stuff too. I want Fallout stuff for Figs too. Trust me. <laughs> Hell yeah, I'm definitely the community will love to see it. Yeah, and I love Fallout too. So I'm definitely passionate about the stuff I make relating to it. That's good. That's good. I'm gonna be a fake fan here. I never really sat down and played fully through a Fallout game, oh, but no. <laughs> but. I love the the genre completely and yeah. just everything that comes out of that game is so good. Yeah, I remember um got Fallout 3. I think we we were at a red box and I saw they had Fallout 3 and I was like, "Whoa, that looks like a cool game." Mm. And that's when the addiction started. <laughs> <laughs> Rented it for a day and I think I'd played it for like 3 hours straight and I was like, "Whoa, this is awesome." That's good. And then I got Fallout 3 and then 4 and New Vegas. I got to get it for PC cuz I never played it growing up, and then I got four on my, my Xbox One, and then, but I just, I never really liked playing on controller or anything like that, so, just, I don't know. 
Yeah, I definitely recommend Fallout New Vegas and Fallout 3. They have really good campaigns. Bet. Okay. And they're fun games, too, I mean. Is there a modded community for that, too? I, I think so. I feel like there's got to be. Yeah, Just because it's so. such a, some... an old game now, just a classic. Because, yeah. like, Skyrim is just, like, you're buying the game, but it's really just to be able to play with the modded shit. Like, there's yeah. five times way. worth of full game content just in the modding community, if not more. It's just, like, yeah. crazy stuff. Because I've played more on uh, the PlayStation, so there's not really much modded yeah, stuff Yeah, yeah, you can't really do it there, right? But, again, haven't even played Skyrim either, except for, like, 20 minutes. I, I have the attention span of the gnat, like, when it comes to, like, story-driven games. Like, it's <laughs> yeah. just, it's terrible. In theory, like, I'd love to be able to get sucked into a world like that and play through them. And then it's just, oh, no, I'm just going to go back to playing, like, CSGO or something, where it's yeah. just the same old thing, just back and forth, just new round, new round. But Yeah, I think I played Skyrim for a few minutes, and then I was like, eh, this is all right. Not the best. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've always been kind of more of a fan of, like, Fallout and stuff. Skyrim is still pretty cool, though. For sure. Do you think you'd expand the items you're making in Valor Bricks beyond military? That's a good question. Maybe in the future. I'm not really sure what I'd make, though. Yeah, only if something really piqued your interest. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing, is there's definitely a lot of accessories, but it's kind of hard to like pinpoint what would actually be useful just because there's so many LEGO accessories. Mm. The reason why like military is so popular with some companies, especially mine, is because LEGO doesn't really make it. I mean, a lot of the stuff that I've made, it's because nobody else has ever done it before. Yep. And part of me is like, oh, I kind of want one of those. Like the uh, the Modable's light vest. Nobody's done a tactical vest, for what I know, that's based off of the, the jumpable plate carrier. So I was like, that might be cool to do. And uh, As it turns yeah. out, it is. It is cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I know the, uh, what was the flashlight? I think I called it like the Bendy L light. Bendy L. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it's uh it's the the Streamlight Sidewinder. I don't think anybody's ever done one of those before. Yeah, I don't of. I can't recall any either. And it's a popular flashlight too. It is. So. It is. Definitely showing your Millsurp um, you know, collecting in that one. Yeah. Yeah, I don't own a Sidewinder, but some stuff if I want to make it, I just run upstairs and grab it. <laughs> oh. <laughs> just, you know, hold it in my hand. Uh, see if the scale looks right on that. <laughs> Would you want to discuss anything that you're currently working on, like, that could be expected for the future? Honestly, I haven't really been, like, designing a whole lot over the last few weeks, especially because of, like, school and stuff. Yeah, yeah, I feel um, that. I mean, I definitely have plans for more Fallout stuff and definitely, like, more moddables, pouches and stuff. Mm-hmm. I do have some bungee mag pouches that I have to still print Ooh, out. Yeah, that would be great. I had done the prototypes on them, and they turned out, like, a little too tall, so I kind of have to revamp them. So I guess... I guess I do have stuff that is planned, but awesome. I'd I'd be really interested in the bungee mags. Yeah, I had a triple mag shingle done, and I had a single mag pouches done, Mm -hmm. but they turned out like way too tall. So I'll definitely have to redo those. Yeah, I tried to consider how I could mod those recently, and I there there have been people to do it. There really have, and shout out to them. But I. I literally just said no. I was like, I'm not even gonna, not even gonna attempt that. Just yeah, it would be hard. It's uh, cause that's the thing is, it's not really like a a solid block. Like most mag pouches are kind of just a rectangle with a couple of little extrusions on them, but right. the bungee mags are a little more than that. Yeah, that is. 
And even then, most of the moddables pouches are just rectangles at the end of the day. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think that's uh, I think that's all here actually. Cool stuff. This is good. I have a paper to write, so I'm I'm okay with this ending a a little early. Yeah, I gotta go write some history stuff. I've been helping my little brother with some homework, so <laughs> nice. Rough draft due tomorrow. Okay, yeah, I'll just do it the night before. It's all good. We'll just bang that out. Yeah, I'm the same way. I had um had a paper due for English 101 on Friday <laughs> and it was supposed to the rough draft was supposed to be a minimum of like a thousand words oh god so I think I started at eight and at like 10 o'clock I had like a thousand four hundred words and I was like all right this is good <laughs> nice I wish night, night it was due <laughs> I mean by 10 o'clock I would have just hit in, like the second wave of procrastination and been at 200 <laughs> words so I respect that that's uh some good <laughs> yeah my good work my, ethic uh, in that yeah, my schedule is terrible. I will procrastinate like the entire afternoon and then it'll hit like nine o'clock and I'll just do work for like two hours straight and get it all done. It's vicious, like, dude. Oh, okay. it's, yeah, it's, it's terrible. Uh, yeah, I'm going to need to change up my study schedule for college if I'm actually going to succeed. <laughs> yeah, I agree with you, but it doesn't get easier to change up once. She's <laughs> like, all right. Yeah, so you're in college right now, right? Yeah, I'm actually in my last semester, so I'm graduating out, but... Of college, really? Yeah, uh, just community college, so it's oh, not that's big cool. deal. What are you but, studying? Um, welding. Oh, hey, that's cool. My dad used to be a steam fitter for a while. Oh, yeah, pipe fitting? Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, he does uh, HVAC now. Oh, nice. But my dad always, he's like, he used to always talk about how engineers would like never really think about how stuff actually went together. Yep. So he's like, in all these machine rooms for the new like schools and buildings and libraries and stuff, there's not enough space to actually work. Yeah. You get in there and it's like, yeah, it's... Yeah, I hear that a lot from my professors too. It's just like, you see this blueprint? All right, we're going to dedicate this whole class to learning how to read the blueprint. But at the same time, once you're on the job, it's going to be absolutely useless because you're going to have to fight with the engineer about how it actually functions. So. <laughs> yeah, I've heard, I've heard a lot of engineering students have God complexes and they kind of think they're better than everybody. Mm. But I I always think that's really stupid. I I respect everybody and everybody who's in similar trades. That's good. I'm sure that'll benefit you a lot getting into engineering. Yeah, (laughs) especially because my dad did it. I know that he works really hard, and he's a smart guy, too, with what he does. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, at the end of the day, both ends, you know, the trade, the people actually executing it, and the engineers both have a job, and it's just easier if you could kind of work together and actually respect each other's opinions than have to fight over its retarded. They're both equally important. I mean, if not the building part of it, more important. Right. Otherwise, just just ideas. Yeah, Yeah, pretty much. I mean, I'm actually one of the few mechanical engineers that actually wants to work for a defense contractor, the defense contractor of the government. That's awesome. There's, yeah, there's so many engineers that are like, I don't want to work for the military industrial complex. Oh, I want to work for for Google. I want to work for Amazon. And I'm like, (laughs) no, I want to be the guy designing the tanks and the Tomahawk missiles. (laughs) Yeah. Hell yeah. That's That's the fun job. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Good for you, man. Good luck with that. Yeah, thank you. Hopefully it works out. It's reminding me of that uh, meme from, uh, I guess it was Hunter, uh, Standees, just uh, with Dan, just glory to the military. Complex. Oh, yeah, yeah, I saw that one. I saw that one. It was posted, in, dude, I laughed my ass off at that. That is oh, so geez. good. Because, yeah, all of their kits are sponsored by, like, 
Lockheed Martin and like <laughs> like how do you not support it and then get sponsored by these companies to do these kits? Well, I heard from the guy I was at the Brickmania store in Virginia the other day. Mm-hmm. And I was talking like, oh, it's pretty cool. They're sponsored by the things. And I think I brought up um, that one Russian company that uh, makes the kits that are almost identical to Brickmania's. Oh, I, I know what you're talking about. I just don't know yeah. their name at all. Yeah. And I remember, I think... He, oh, wait, is had... it a Game Brick store? No, I don't think so. Oh, I think that's I think just the make... ones who make the figures. They're uh, making kits, bricks. too. Armor Bricks. Armor Bricks, okay. I think... I think uh, here, let me search it up. I don't want to be, like, falsely accusing a company that's not... Yeah, I think Arm Bricks is the one. Yeah, made in Russia. Yeah, Arm yep. Armor Brick. Yeah, yep. yep. Apparently, um, according to the guy at the Brick Mania store, apparently some of these companies are trying to sue Armor Bricks. Of course. Because they're making like you know, the stuff based off their yeah. vehicle. Yeah, yeah. That's ridiculous, man. <clears throat> and it looks like their Chinook. They just call it Special Oper. Oh wait, yeah, Special Operations Heavy Lift Helicopter. Yeah, they. I mean, they keep. The name's pretty similar. Mm. And the kits that aren't, like, copied off of Brickmania, like, if you search up the vehicle, like, I think it was their Gaz Tiger. If you search it up, there's a model that looks, like, almost identical to it. Hmm. Yeah, it's, I never... It's interesting. I never got into vehicle building, so I could hardly tell you the difference between two different ones, so I don't know who's stealing or what, but... Yeah, it's it's crazy to look at it from, like... And it's the same way with, like, modeled parts. I mean... Yeah, so I was going to say. So many people are like, oh, yeah, you know, they don't really look... It's it's the same gun. They're not copying off of one another. But if you look at some of the stuff, like, side by side, it looks almost identical. I mean, it's almost scary how similar some people's stuff looks from other people's stuff. Yeah. there's um, I, that's I feel like more and more lately that becomes more of a... I don't know. Just it's a problem. Yeah, topic is. of discussion just with other brands, more and more brands popping up to do you know stuff in the same space and it, even beyond the like injection molding stuff like accessory yeah. wise, you could have uh you could say the same for printing companies. Yeah, I and... mean there's so many printing companies and parts companies that like some of their stuff is almost indistinguishable. Mm -hmm. I mean you can get one and uh, and I mean especially before I started Valor Bricks, I was like this is my goal. I'm not going to make stuff identical. And I mean, I've had a lot of people say like, oh yeah, you know, your stuff kind of looks like uh, Tiny Tacticals, but it's obviously not Tiny Tactical. Yeah. And I've definitely made it a goal to make original stuff and not copy off of other people's stuff. Yeah. No, I think you're doing that well. I mean, you gotta really like this. You can't just say because one company did it already, you know, that right. nobody else could touch it. Right. So it really comes down to, yeah, it really just comes down to how they're actually executing the idea and if they're bringing their own spin and touch to it in the final product. Yeah. And that's like something that I've seen a lot. Like some people are like, oh, you know, so-and-so made it and you know, they don't have the rights to it. And yeah. But, you know, if you look at it from a 3D modeling standpoint, it's like, wow, that looks almost identical. Yeah. Yeah. Especially, uh. Well, I'm not naming names. Yeah, we don't call, we don't got to call out names, but yeah, <laughs> uh, there's, a, there's a couple I could list off the top of my head. Yeah, when you die, when you start seeing it, it's it's unfortunate. It really yeah, is. But it's kind of sad to see. I mean, especially with the printing companies these days. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's definitely a lot of companies that have tried to kind of copy off of the Citizen Brick and TMC aesthetic, 
Yeah, it's interesting. It's interesting. Although I'm not gonna lie, some of these companies they make their own original stuff, so they it's, do. It's not it's not as bad as like directly copying off of somebody, but the aesthetics are definitely similar. Yeah, I mean you gotta kind of go by case by case basis just because they're making some similar products, you know. Yeah. But once there's oh well. They've made a bunch of the same kind of products, and they kind of stylistically are doing similar things. It's like, oh, okay, well. Yeah. <laughs> it's definitely obvious what you're trying to do. Yeah. And then additionally, with the kit comparison to uh, what's going on with injection parts, it's crazy oh, to yeah. see that those actual you know, manufacturing vehicles, like those companies are coming after the kit makers. Yeah. Just because it's something that, like, I know Will's had to deal with, and it's the reason, like, he won't make certain guns. It's just because those companies are super, super protective of the, you know, the silhouette of their rifles and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, so. well, you'll notice, like, um, for my Fallout laser pistol, I just called it the laser handgun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I you mean, always got to kind of do stuff like right. that. Right, and I've always kind of had that mentality, like... And it's really sad because these companies are making it because they look up to the stuff. Mm-hmm. they're not making it because they want to screw over these companies they're making exactly. it so that way people can have a lego version yeah so i think a lot of companies are kind of like greedy about that you know you got to give me money if you're making this for your lego figures but yeah i mean thankfully at well can't say it for the larger brands because they do get noticed but for stuff like you or the hobbyists at large we could kind of just yeah it's go under the radar it's not a big dig deal it's kind of yeah. just art but Pretty much. Yeah, especially the bigger companies. They have They uh, do gotta watch their back. Yeah, it's sad, but it's it's understandable it at one end. Yeah, it's understandable. One end, but then at the same time it is just oh well we just love your stuff. We're trying yeah. to We're not trying know. to screw you over, we just think it's cool. Yeah, exactly. That's how it goes. Once yeah. there's money involved, it's there's always gonna be issues. Yeah, unfortunately. But yeah, but thank you very absolutely. much for having me on. Thank you for being on. It. it was a real pleasure. Yeah, it was definitely fun to chat. Absolutely. I'll talk to you soon, man. Any last words for the audience? Uh, thank you very much for listening, and make sure you check me out. And, of course, make sure to check out Bricks and the Banter. Hell yeah. If right. that's what it's called. Did I get that right? Bricks and Banter. Bricks and Banter. Make sure to check out Bricks and Banter, too. Leave us a review. <laughs> thank you, man. Alrighty. Talk to you later. Thank you all for listening. Sorry for the lack of a copper drop segment this episode, but due to Brandon being on the podcast to represent his brand, we decided to leave his personal takes aside. If you enjoyed the podcast, please share it with a friend or leave us a review on iTunes. I want to give a huge thank you to all of our patrons on Patreon. We have Seth, Luger Enthusiast, Tupolev, Mike, Justin, Francisco, Dashbricks, PK Custom Lego, Milo, Dr. Xbox Live, Jay, The Space Cowboy, and Minibigs. I am truly honored by all of your guys' support, and I can't thank you all enough. If you're interested in supporting the podcast, you can check out the link tree in our Instagram bio, and it'll lead you directly to it. Thank you all again for listening, and make sure to tune in next week.